Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen, Volume 1, Chapter 8. Previously on Northanger Abbey, we have met our heroine, Catherine Moreland, who is a 17-year-old girl from the middle of nowhere, very naive, on vacation in Bath with Mr. and Mrs. Allen. They wander around Bath for a while, not knowing anyone. She finally gets introduced to Mr. Tilney, who she's got a crush on. They dance, they flirt. It's very cute. But then Mr. Tilney disappears for a few days. They don't see him anywhere. And instead, they run into Mrs. Thorpe and her three daughters. Um, and Isabella, the eldest daughter, becomes instant best friends with Catherine. They continue on for a bit, still not seeing Mr. Tilney, their best buds, they're reading books together, there's an epic rant about novels by the narrator slash Jane Austen, which is pretty great. And then you get to learn more about Isabella. She is very boy crazy. She and Catherine don't really seem to understand each other as they're talking. And then their brothers come to town. James is Catherine's brother, and John, Mr. John Thorpe, is Isabella's brother. They are best, they are really good friends, best friends from Oxford, and they have come to visit Bath. It's very clear, very immediately, that James likes Isabella, and from hints that Isabella's been dropping, plus how she acts when he shows up, you're pretty clear that Isabella likes James back. But again, all of this goes over Catherine's head. She does not notice whatsoever. And Mr. Thorpe, she, you get the idea right away as the, as the reader, I was going to say watcher, that's kind of wrong. As the reader, Mr. Thorpe is the worst. And Catherine doesn't particularly like him either, but then Isabella tells her that, that John Thorpe likes her, likes Catherine. And then... He also asks her to dance at the ball that night, so she's feeling pretty friendly towards him, even though he doesn't seem like the best guy. And that is where we have left off, presumably to go to the dance where Mr. Thorpe has asked Catherine to dance with him. In spite of Udolpho and the dressmaker, however, the party from Pulteney Street reached the upper rooms in very good time. The Thorpes and James Morland were there only two minutes before them, and Isabella, having gone through the usual ceremonial of meeting her friend with the most smiling and affectionate haste, of admiring the set of her gown and envying the curl of her hair, they followed their chaperones arm-in-arm arm into the ballroom, whispering to each other whenever a thought occurred and supplying the place of many ideas by a squeeze of the hand or a smile of affection. The dancing began within a few minutes after they were seated, and James, who had been engaged quite as long as his sister, was very importunate with Isabella to stand up. But John was gone into the card-room to speak to a friend, and nothing, she declared, should induce her to join the set before her dear Catherine could join it too. "'I assure you,' said she, "'I would not stand up without your dear sister for all the world, for if I did we should certainly be separated the whole evening.' Catherine accepted this kindness with gratitude, and they continued as they were for three minutes longer, when Isabella, who had been talking to James on the other side of her, turned again to his sister and whispered, 
My dear creature, I'm afraid I must leave you. Your brother is so amazingly impatient to begin. I know you will not mind my going away, and I dare say John will be back in a moment, and then you may easily find me out. Catherine, though a little disappointed, had too much good nature to make any opposition. And the others rising up, Isabella had only time to press her friend's hand and say, Good-bye, my dear love, before they hurried off. The younger Miss Thorpes, being also dancing, Catherine was left to the mercy of Mrs. Thorpe and Mrs. Allen, between whom she now remained. She could not help being vexed at the non-appearance of Mr. Thorpe, for she not only longed to be dancing, but was likewise aware that, as the real dignity of her situation could not be known, she was sharing with the scores of other young ladies still sitting down all the discredit of wanting a partner. To be disgraced in the eye of the world, to wear the appearance of infamy while her heart is all purity, her actions all innocence, and the misconduct of another the true source of her debasement, is one of those circumstances which peculiarly belong to the heroine's life, and her fortitude under it what particularly dignifies her character. Catherine had fortitude, too. She suffered, but no murmur passed her lips. From this state of humiliation she was roused, at the end of ten minutes, to a pleasanter feeling, by seeing, not Mr. Thorpe, but Mr. Tilney, within three yards of the place where they sat. He seemed to be moving that way, but he did not see her, and therefore the smile and the blush which his sudden reappearance raised in Catherine passed away without sullying her heroic importance. He looked as handsome and as lively as ever, and was talking with interest to a fashionable and pleasing-looking young woman, who bent on his arm, and whom Catherine immediately guessed to be his sister, thus unthinkingly throwing away a fair opportunity of considering him lost to her for ever, by being married already. But guided only by what was simple and probable, it had never entered her head that Mr. Tilney could be married. He had not behaved, he had not talked, like the married men to whom she had been used. He had never mentioned a wife, and he had acknowledged a sister. From these circumstances sprang the instant conclusion of his sister's now being by his side, and therefore, instead of turning a death-like paleness and falling in a fit on Mrs. Allen's bosom, Catherine sat erect, in the perfect use of her senses, with, and with cheeks only a little redder than usual. Mr. Tilney and his companion, who continued, though slowly, to approach, were immediately preceded by a lady, an acquaintance of Mrs. Thorpe, and this lady, stopping to speak to her, they, as belonging to her, stopped likewise, and Catherine, catching Mr. Tilney's eye, instantly received from him the smiling tribute of recognition. She returned it with pleasure, and then, advancing still nearer, he spoke both to her and Mrs. Allen, by whom he was very civilly acknowledged. "'I am very happy to see you again, sir. Indeed, I was afraid you had left Bath.' He thanked her for her fears, and said that he had quitted it for a week, on the very morning after his having had the pleasure of seeing her. "'Well, sir, I dare say you are not sorry to be back again, for it is just the place for young people, and indeed for everybody else, too. I tell Mr. Allen, when he talks of being sick of it, that I am sure he should not complain, for it is so very agreeable a place, that it is much better to be here than at home during this dull time of year. I tell him he is quite in luck to be sent here for his health.' "'And I hope, madam, that Mr. Allen will be obliged to like the place from finding it of service to him.' "'Thank you, sir. I have no doubt that he will. A neighbour of ours, Dr. Skinner, was here for his health last winter, and came away quite stout. That circumstance must give great encouragement.' "'Yes, sir. And Dr. Skinner and his family were here three months, so I tell Mr. Allen he must not be in a hurry to get away.' Here they were interrupted by a request from Mrs. Thorpe to Mrs. Allen that she should move a little to accommodate Mrs. Hughes and Miss Tilney with seats as they had agreed to join their party. This was accordingly done, Mr. Tilney still continuing standing before them, and after a few minutes' consideration he asked Catherine to dance with him. 
this compliment, delightful as it was, produced severe mortification to the lady, and in giving her denial she expressed her sorrow on the occasion so very much as if she really felt it, that had Thorpe, who joined her just afterwards, been half a minute earlier, he might have thought her sufferings rather too acute. The very easy manner in which he then told her that he had kept her waiting did not by any means reconcile her more to her lot nor did the particulars which he entered into while they were standing up of the horses and dogs of the friend whom he had just left and of a proposed exchange of terriers between them interest her so much as to prevent her looking very often toward that part of the room where she had left mr tilney of her dear isabella to whom she particularly longed to point out that gentleman she could see nothing they were in different sets she was separated from all her party and away from all her acquaintance one mortification succeeded another and from the whole she had deduced this useful lesson, that to go previously engaged to a ball does not necessarily increase either the dignity or enjoyment of a young lady. From such a moralizing strain as this, she was suddenly roused by a touch on the shoulder, and turning round, perceived Mrs. Hughes directly behind her, attended by Miss Tilney and a gentleman. "'I beg your pardon, Miss Morland,' said she, "'for this liberty, but I cannot anyhow get to Miss Thorpe, and Mrs. Thorpe said she was sure you would not have the least objection to letting in this young lady by you.' Mrs. Hughes could not have applied to any creature in the room more happy to oblige her than Catherine. The young ladies were introduced to each other, Miss Tilney expressing a proper sense of such goodness, Miss Morland with a real delicacy of a generous mind making light of the obligation, and Mrs. Hughes, satisfied with having so respectably settled her young charge, returned to her party. Miss Tilney had a good figure, a pretty face, and a very agreeable countenance, and her air, though it had not all the decided pretension the resolute stylishness of Miss Thorpe's, had more real elegance. Her manner showed good sense and good breeding. They were neither shy nor affectedly open, and she seemed capable of being young, attractive, and at a ball, without wanting to fix the attention of every man near her, and without exaggerated feelings of ecstatic delight or inconceivable vexation on every little trifling occurrence. Catherine, interested at once by her appearance and her relationship to Mr. Tilney, was desirous of being acquainted with her, and readily talked, therefore, whenever she could think of anything to say, and had the courage and leisure for saying it. But the hindrance thrown in the way of a very speedy intimacy by the frequent want of one or more of these requisites prevented their doing more than going through the first rudiments of an acquaintance, by informing themselves how well the other liked Bath, how much she admired its buildings and surrounding country, whether she drew or played or sang, and whether she was fond of riding on horseback. The two dances were scarcely concluded before Catherine found her arm gently seized by her faithful Isabella, who in great spirits exclaimed, "'At last I have got you, my dearest creature! I have been looking for you this hour! What could induce you to come into this set when you knew I was in the other? I have been quite wretched without you!' "'My dear Isabella, how is it possible for me to get to you? I could not even see where you were!' "'So I told your brother at the time, but he would not believe me. Do go and see for her, Mr. Morland,' said I. But all in vain, he would not stir an inch. Was it not so, Mr. Morland? But you men are all so immoderately lazy. I have been scolding him to such a degree, my dear Catherine, you would be quite amazed. You know I never stand upon ceremony with such people. Look at that young lady with the white beads round her head, whispered Catherine, detaching her friend from James. It is Mr. Tilney's sister. Oh, heavens, you don't say so. Let me look at her this moment. What a delightful girl I never saw anything half so beautiful but where is her all-conquering brother is he in the room point him out to me this instant if he is i die to see him mr morland you are not to listen 
We are not talking about you. But what is all this whispering about? What is going on? Then I knew how it would be. You men have such restless curiosity. Talk of the curiosity of women, indeed. Tis nothing but be satisfied, for you are not to know anything at all of the matter. And is that likely to satisfy me, do you think? Well, I declare I never knew anything like you. What can it signify to you what we are talking of? Perhaps we are talking about you. Therefore, I would advise you not to listen, for you may happen to hear something not very agreeable. In this commonplace chatter, which lasted some time, the original subject seemed entirely forgotten, and though Catherine was very well pleased to have it dropped for a while, she could not avoid a little suspicion at the total suspension of all Isabella's impatient desire to see Mr. Tilney. When the orchestra struck up a fresh dance, James would have led his fair partner away, but she resisted. "'I tell you, Mr. Morland,' she cried, "'I would not do such a thing for all the world.' How can you be so teasing? Only conceive, my dear Catherine, what your brother wants me to do. He wants me to dance with him again, though I tell him that it is a most improper thing and entirely against the rules. It would make us the talk of the place if he were not to change partners. Upon my honour, said James, in these public assemblies it is as often done as not. Nonsense! How can you say so? But when you men have a point to carry, you never stick at anything. My sweet Catherine, do support me. Persuade your brother how impossible it is. Tell him that it would quite shock you to see me do such a thing. Now, would it not? No, not at all. But if you think it wrong, you had much better change. There, cried Isabella, you hear what your sister says, and yet you will not mind her. Well, remember that it is not my fault if we set all the old ladies in bath in a bustle come along my dearest catherine for heaven's sake and stand by me and off they went to regain their former place john thorpe in the meanwhile had walked away and catherine ever willing to give mr tilney an opportunity of repeating the agreeable request which had already flattered her once made her way to mrs allen and mrs thorpe as fast as she could in the hopes of finding him still with them a hope which when it proved to be fruitless she felt to have been highly unreasonable well my dear said mrs thorpe impatient for praise of her son I hope you have had an agreeable partner. Very agreeable, madam. I am glad of it. John has charming spirits, has he not? Did you meet Mr. Tilney, my dear? said Mrs. Allen. No, where is he? He was with us just now, and said he was so tired of lounging about that he was resolved to go and dance, so I thought perhaps he would ask you if he met with you. Where can he be? said Catherine, looking round. But she had not looked round long before she saw him leading a young lady to dance. "'Ah, oh, he has got a partner. I wish he'd asked you,' said Mrs. Allen, and after a short silence added, "'He's a very agreeable young man.' "'Indeed he is, Mrs. Allen,' said Mrs. Thorpe, smiling complacently. "'I must say it, though I am his mother, that there is not a more agreeable young man in the world.' This inapplicable answer might have been too much for the comprehension of many, but it did not puzzle Mrs. Allen, for after only a moment's consideration she said in a whisper to Catherine, "'I dare say she thought I was speaking of her son.' Catherine was disappointed and vexed. She seemed to have missed by so little the very object she had had in view, and this persuasion did not incline her to a very gracious reply when John Thorpe came up to her soon afterwards and said, "'Well, Miss Morland, I suppose you and I are to stand up and jig it together again?' "'Oh, no, I am much obliged to you. Our two dances are over, and, besides, I am tired, and do not mean to dance any more. Do you not?' "'Then let us walk about and quiz people. "'Come along with me, and I will show you the four greatest quizzes in the room, "'my two younger sisters and their partners. "'I have been laughing at them this half-hour.' "'Again Catherine excused herself, and at the last he walked off to quiz his sisters by himself. "'The rest of the evening she found very dull. 
Mr. Tilney was drawn away from their party at tea to attend to that of his partner. Miss Tilney, though belonging to it, did not sit near her, and James and Isabella were so much engaged in conversation together that the latter had no leisure to bestow more on her friend than one smile, one squeeze, and one dearest Catherine. chapter eight revolves around the ball at the upper rooms so catherine of course meets with isabella james her brother and john thorpe isabella's brother and she is engaged to have john dance with her but he walks off and is off somewhere when the first dance starts which is again another indication of just how rude he is to have specifically asked catherine to dance and then to wander off and not come back. And the way they talk about it for at least 10, 10 or so minutes into the next dance, which I think each dance lasts maybe 15 minutes or half an hour. They're long dances, but still to, to have him ask her to dance before the dance, before the ball even starts, and then to wander off and be chatting with people and come back long after the dance has started. I mean, Again, not an expert on the time frame, but seems to me to be very, very rude of him to do that. And also, he has the other bad timing of having asked her to dance on the very night that she gets to see Mr. Tilney again. Mr. Tilney is back, and it's very exciting. And she gets to talk to him, but very, very briefly. But he al she also gets to meet Miss Tilney, his sister. There is a fun little moment there when Catherine first sees Mr. Tilney and Miss Tilney walking up where Jane Austen says that she's missing a, let's see, where she is throwing away a fair opportunity of considering him lost to her forever by being married already, but guided only by what was simple and probable, it had never entered her head that Mr. Tilney could be married. Again, making fun of this kind of trope that you see the guy you like walking with a pretty girl and automatically jump to assumptions about who that girl is that, you know, he's already married to her or engaged to her or something. And Catherine, by being so unused to these sorts of tropes and not knowing she's supposed to throw herself into them, just completely misses that opportunity and just assumes, oh, that must be his sister. I just think that's a funny little aside, another place where the, the narrator of this, of this book has a very strong voice and comes out quite a bit. So she's waiting for Mr. Tilney to come up, and he does. When he, when he sees her, he comes up and talks to her and Mrs. Allen and explains that he has been gone from Bath ever since they first met. He left the next morning. Uh, and then he asks her to dance. He asks Catherine to dance, and she is so upset that she's already agreed to dance with Mr. Thorpe, and therefore good manners say that she can't accept Mr. Tilney because she's already supposed to dance with Mr. Thorpe. Even though Mr. Thorpe is very late already, he asked her to dance and then disappeared and has gone off and been talking to friends, and the dance has already started, and it's been going on for a good ten minutes, it sounds like. I think it says ten minutes in here. 
as the time frame. So he's been incredibly rude. And in my mind, because he's already been so rude and like brushed her off like that, she should have just said yes and gone to dance with Mr. Tilney. But I get that Catherine couldn't do that because of the you know, politeness rules of the time. I think that would have been very bad. In her mind, that would have been so rude and she couldn't do that. No matter how rude Mr. Thorpe is to her, she's not going to be able to be rude like that back to him. And so because of that, the awful Mr. Thorpe asking her to dance, she now loses the opportunity of dancing with Mr. Tilney. And it is a very, very sad day. And so then Mr. Tilney leaves and Mr. Thorpe comes finally to ask to get her to go down and he doesn't even apologize he just has with very easy manner in which he then told her that he kept her waiting so he just says oh i kept you waiting or something but he doesn't apologize he doesn't say have any sort of excuse for why he's so late when he specifically asked her to dance again just showing how rude mr thorpe is i do not like him at all and so he asked her to dance he kept her waiting, made her feel embarrassed for not having a partner, and then keeping her from dancing with the guy she actually wants to dance with. It just could not get worse. Mr. Thorpe, again, is the worst. And then they start dancing, and all he can talk about is his horses and breeding dogs and things that Catherine is not at all interested in. So not only did he keep her waiting... And super rude about it. Once they're actually dancing, he's not charming. He's not interested in actually talking to her. He's just talking at her about things that he's interested in. And couldn't seem to care less that she isn't interested in those things at all. But one good thing does come from the dance. In that Miss Tilney comes to dance right next to her. So she gets to talk to Miss Tilney a little bit. She gets introduced to her. And she gets to talk to her for a little bit. Although... Not too much. It seems like they just have a very basic conversation, some very initial information about, you know, how do you like Bath? What do you like to do? Do you play or do you sing? Do you ride horses? Very brief kind of surface level conversation, but she is at least now officially introduced to Miss Tilney and that makes Catherine happy because she wants to get to know Miss Tilney because Miss Tilney is obviously the sister of Mr. Tilney and she really wants to get to know Mr. Tilney. But getting to know Miss Tilney is a nice socially acceptable way to worm her way in there and get to know more about her brother. Which, for much less innocently, seems to be Isabella's plan as well. <laughs> because Isabella comes right back up to her at the end of the dance, bringing James along. And Mr. Thorpe, immediately after the dance, wanders off. Which again, points out just how flippin' rude this guy is not following any of the conventions or being really particularly nice to her. So Isabella comes up and grabs her arm and seems to kind of drag her away from where Miss Tilney is, being a little rude herself, to talk. And then Catherine points out Miss Tilney to Isabella, who acts all excited and says, Ooh, is the brother here? Is her brother there? And where is he? But then immediately goes back to flirting with James instead of talking to Catherine. And the subject is just dropped. Which again shows how little real interest Isabella has. Because Isabella is just kind of 
blowing Catherine off is pretending to be best buds with her, but doesn't seem particularly sincere about it. And is much more interested in flirting with James than talking to Catherine now that James is there. Although she keeps saying that these flowery words to Catherine about how she's her best friend and she's been in agonies without her and blah, blah, blah. But it's all words. Her actions do not seem to match that at all. And then when the orchestra sets up the next dance, she's going to go dance with James again. And she makes a show of pretending to fight it, that it's inappropriate for her to dance with James. Again, even though they're, James and Catherine both seem to think that it's not at this sort of dance. And I think this has been brought up before, but at other, at more private balls where you're knowing, where you know everybody, I think it might be considered inappropriate to dance with the same person multiple times. But in a big public ball like this, where a lot of the people don't know each other, I think it is much more common, and that's what James basically flat out says, that in these public assemblies it is as often done as not. And I think from everything I can tell, it seems like James is probably correct that Isabella is playing up this inappropriateness as part of her flirtation technique, not because of there any real reason that this would cause a scandal or any such. But, you know, she's playing with it, and she gets she plays with Isabella to try and get Isabella in on the game, but... Isabella really doesn't earn. Isabella's trying to get Catherine in on the game, but Catherine is again showing her just innocence and naiveness by, you know, by just kind of not getting it and just giving her a regular little answer like, oh, I don't think it's that big a deal, but if it bothers you, don't do it. Like, she doesn't seem to get it. Again, it's going over her head. She doesn't understand that Isabella is flirting very much with James. So then she goes back to Mrs. Allen and Mrs. Thorpe while um, James and Isabella go off to dance and Mrs. Thorpe asks if, you know, John was a very charming partner and Isabella, or Catherine, I keep getting the names wrong. Catherine said that he was very agreeable and Mrs. Thorpe is saying that he was so charming and whatnot. Mrs. Allen breaks in to talk about something that Catherine likes more, which is Mr. Tilney, um, saying, asking if he'd, she'd seen him. And she says, no, where is he? And Mrs. Allen says, oh, he said he was tired of lounging around and wanted to dance, so I thought perhaps he would ask you. And so then Catherine's looking for him, because of course she would love to get Mr. Tilney to dance with her. But then they see him in the crowd with another young lady, and that kind of ruins the night because Mrs. Allen says, oh, he's got a partner. I wish he'd asked you. It's very sad. He's off. And then when they go to tea, he goes off to dance. He has tea with the girl he was dancing with. So he's not with them though. Miss Tilney is part of their little group, but she doesn't really get to talk to her. Before that, I suppose John comes back and asks her to dance again. And for the first time, or one of the first times we start seeing a bit of a backbone from Catherine. Catherine is starting to not like somebody. This is probably the only person so far that Catherine does not find agreeable or is not obliging with um, when he comes up. But he doesn't ask her nicely. He, John Thorpe comes back to ask her to dance. And he just says, I suppose you and I are to stand up and jig it together again. Which, jig it together? I really hope that that was not a common phrase back then. 
It sounds pretty gross. I do not like it. And I don't hear other characters in either this novel or other Jane Austen novels that I've read speak like this. So again, I'm assuming this language is specifically not correct and not not nice. And again, supposed to be showing us something specific about Mr. Thorpe and how he is still the worst. So he sort of asks her to dance, but more just kind of comes up and is like, oh, you're going to dance with me. Like tells her they're going to dance. And finally, Catherine has a little bit of a backbone because she says no. She doesn't want to. But this also shows the problem with saying no, because now that she said no, she's not allowed to dance with anybody else. She has to, she's not allowed to just say, no, I don't want to dance with you, Mr. Thorpe. That would be impolite. She has to say, no, I don't want to dance with anyone and I'm done dancing for the night because I'm tired. And so now that she said no to John Thorpe, she can't dance at all for the rest of the evening. Which kind of sucks. But those are the rules of etiquette as they go. So he then wants her to walk around the room and like make fun of people with him, especially his sis his younger sisters, who he apparently loves to make fun of. But again, Catherine's like, yeah, no, I'm not going with you. And so he finally wanders off. And that's when they actually go to tea. So I got ahead of myself before. Now they've gone to tea. Mr. Tilney's not with them at tea, but Miss Tilney is. But she doesn't really get to talk to her because I guess they're not sitting quite close enough. What does it say about that? Yes, yeah, so Miss Tilney, though belonging to their group, did not sit near her. So she was sitting near James and Isabella, but they were too much engaged in conversation with each other and so didn't have any time for her. They're both just talking directly only to each other. And so her friend had only then one smile, one squeeze, and one dearest Catherine to give her. So poor Catherine had rather a dull ball. She did not enjoy herself too much. It's very sad. The exciting news is that Mr. Tilney's back in town, which is, of course, very exciting. We've met Miss Tilney, who seems very nice, though we've really had nothing to do with her yet other than, you know, some very basic conversation with her. But the big excitement is that Mr. Tilney, obviously, is back. But sadly, because of Mr. Thorpe, who seems to be in this novel specifically to be the worst and get in the way at all times, she didn't get to dance with him or spend really any time with him. They had only the very briefest little conversation. It's super sad. Poor Catherine. But now that he's back in Bath and she's met Miss Tilney, one can only hope that she will have a little bit better luck as time goes on. And we move on to the next chapter. And that is the end of chapter eight. Let me know what your th thoughts are, how you feel about this book so far, which we have gotten pretty far into at this point. We're not halfway done yet. Maybe a third-ish? I'm not sure. But we've gotten relatively far in, met a lot of our big characters. I think maybe all of them at this point. No, there's one more big character. We've met most of our characters at this point. We've got kind of that scene building piece completed. We've met all we've met all our people. We're getting ideas of different characters. Let me know what you think of this book and my interpretation of it. So let me know if you think I don't know that I've said anything wrong, anything you just dis I di you disagree with, anything you do agree with. 
Any sort of debates you'd like to have about Northanger Abbey or Jane Austen in general, let me know. My email is imolcorner at gmail.com. That's in my own little corner at gmail.com. And I will see y'all later. Jumping back in, I forgot one of my favorite parts of this chapter and I didn't really discuss it. So when Miss Tilney comes over and is going to dance next to Catherine, um, is brought over and is dancing next to Catherine and they're being introduced, there is some great commentary about Miss Tilney and comparing her to other people. Let's not name any names. That is just savage, in my opinion. Um, so, Miss, so they're saying that compared to Mrs. Well, actually, it's not who shall not be named. It's Miss Thorpe. She says that she has a very agreeable countenance, and her air, though it had not all the decided pretension, the resolute stylishness of Miss Thorpe's had more real elegance which is very much an ouch. So Miss Thorpe is decided pretension and re resolute stylishness. Miss Thorpe is also has good sense and good breeding. She was not shy or affectedly open. And affectedly open, now who is that? That's obviously, I think, a dig at Miss Thorpe. But then the real bit of it is, and she seemed capable of being young, attractive, and at a ball, without wanting to fix the attention of every man near her. Which is obviously a dig at Isabella and her character, and all she wants to do is have every man in the entire room staring at her and flirting at her and wanting her. So that's funny. And then it goes straight on, and without exaggerated feelings of ecstatic delight or inconceivable vexation on every little trifling occurrence. Again, poor Isabella is getting roasted in comparison to Miss Tilney in that Miss Tilney is seen to be the exact opposite of what Miss Thorpe is in every particular, it seems like. And the narrator, Reed Jane Austen, is taking what seems to be great delight in pointing out that Isabella is all these bad things and Miss Tilney is not. And especially that part about ecstatic delight or inconceivable vexation on every little trifling occurrence. It's just such a great little line that very much sums up the way Isabella has been acting, where she is just overly affectionate towards Catherine when she wants to be. And her language is always overly affectionate, even if her actions are not. And she talks about how she feels things so deeply and she's just so... Just her feelings are so extra. She like acts like she feels more than other people. All the time. But it's all in words. Her actions don't quite match. But also, even if she was a very good and affectionate person, the idea that you're going to set yourself up to be more affectionate than other people is just a weird concept to me. Um, it's not nice. It's not nice to assume that your feelings are more real than other people's feelings, which is the way it comes off to me, at least. 
of what Isabella is talking about. She seems to think that her feelings are the real ones and deeply felt and everything and everybody else is just faking it. I don't know. It's just not great. But I really love that little par paragraph where they're comparing Miss Thorpe to Miss Tilney and Miss Thorpe gets roasted by the narrator. And I couldn't believe that I forgot to talk about it, so I had to add this in. And with that, now we can really be done with chapter eight. All right, bye.